Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Work More Podcast. I am your host, Cami Bleese, and cannot wait to introduce today's interviewee to y'all. She is such a light and a joy to talk to, and we had so much fun. Catherine is the founder of Soul Fitness. She is a trainer and coach, and her whole mission is to empower women to live shamelessly and to feel freedom and empowerment when it comes to their own fitness routine. So we kind of will dig into what got her started, why she wanted to start her own studio, how she overcame some of the things like struggling with an eating disorder and body image, what that has even looked like as she's been pregnant and that journey to becoming a mom, how she has changed her habits with social media and how she struggles and overcomes comparison. There's just so much goodness in this episode and I cannot wait for y'all to listen to it and get to learn a little bit more about Catherine. So let's go ahead and jump right on in. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I am so excited. I'm glad that um, I finally was able to get it right in my schedule. (laughs) I like have such pregnancy brain and Cammie sent me a um, like time to come on, but I'm on the East coast and I like wrote it down wrong in my planner and here I show up and I'm like, is she coming? And she's like, Oh, that's not the time we had. I'm like, okay, cool. It has been interesting coordinating with people in all different time zones. And I am slowly learning that like a simple Google calendar invite can make a lot of these problems go away but I'm like a paper planner through and through. So I'm slowly. I am too. I actually have a, like a whiteboard Mm. and I write down like, which is so old school. It's like nineties style. I like write down time by time what I'm supposed to do and it's in front of me, but no one else can see it. So if I make a plan with someone else, they don't know. I know. know. (laughs) My husband gets onto me so much and I'm just like, I'm, I'm everywhere that I'm supposed to be. It's everyone else who has to figure that shit out. Like that's not. Yeah. It's everyone else but me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I'm so glad that we lined up and we are here and it worked and I cannot wait to record this episode because I think so many people are going to be inspired by your story and encouraged by you and I just like love what you're doing. So just in case, you know, people are unfamiliar, I would love if you could just share a little bit about yourself and how you kind of came into the fitness space. Yeah, so um, my name's Catherine. I um I own a business called Soul Fitness, S-O-L-E, um, and I that actually started from a place of really not taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I struggled with an eating disorder, just like, I mean, you name it, whatever style I had it, I bounced around from, you know, starving myself, restricting to bulimia, to orthorexia, so... I was just like really obsessed with being in control of my body. And I'm thankful that it was in the grand scheme of things, a quick season, but it felt like, um, something that just, it just consumed me. And so what I was really seeking during that, or what I think I needed in that season was, um, a space to work out and still move my body and feel healthy without, the pressure of feeling like I have to burn a certain amount of calories or Mm -hmm. I have to look a certain way in order to be here Mm -hmm. or that someone's judging me and instead have like a safe space for exercise. So long story short, I started soul, um, 
officially launched it full time um, a little over a year ago, but we've been meeting and gathering as a sole entity for like four and a half years. So um, it's definitely been a slow process, um, but something that Mm -hmm. I just like really desired for myself in that season. So I wanted to provide for other women, but basically we do group classes and personal training sessions. I also do online Mm -hmm. training um, and it's women Mm -hmm. only. We do um, strength and conditioning style workouts and we follow this like slogan of shameless living being a space where women can come and feel no shame about where they've been or where they currently are. A lot of people are afraid to open up about where they are and they kind of live in a lie for a while. Um, and just have like a, a community of women that are like, whatever you're going through, we got your back. Um, and, and it's fun because a lot of people, I, f- I really appreciate the fact that a lot of people who come to Seoul are sometimes first timers, like ever to step into a gym. And for mm-hmm. that, that for me is like really cool. Cause then you can like, I can help write the story of how fitness should be like change the narrative that the yeah. media gives you and, and rewrite it. So anyways, long story short, I'm a coach <laughs> of Soul fitness <laughs> and I'm it. also, I like to talk forever. I'm also a, um, I, I have a it. podcast. I have a podcast and I do marketing on the side, my like backgrounds in um, marketing, but my jam is to like really just step fully into this space of like empowering women in whatever that looks like. So that's me. I'm also a wife. I'm, um, I'm a dog. I have a doodle. I'm a dog mom. One of those doodle moms. Um, yes. Yes. And I am pregnant with, um, a baby right now, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> so much going on yeah. in your life happened. This is insane. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, what else can I say? No, but it's good. It's all good yeah. things for sure. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I feel like I love that so much. And I love the approach that you have towards fitness. I think that you and I seem to align philosophically very similarly And I do think that it is important. Like when I think about a lot of different fitness studios, you know, a fitness studio can have an overarching kind of message, but sometimes it comes down to each individual trainer to really kind of share what they believe and how they feel. And while that's great, I would say that there are less studios like yours where the whole studio's purpose is to not emphasize the calories burned or the like physical expectation or the physical appearance that you're going to, you know, maybe achieve, maybe not achieve. And I think that like that I'm sure breeds itself into every single class. And I feel like that's really powerful because it's not up to just one of your trainers to try and share this message. Like your whole studio, your whole training, all of that was built on this message and on that foundation. And I think that's incredible and super, super powerful. Yeah, that's so true. It really is. That's a really good point. It's up to every trainer. Um, And you, a trainer might have the best of intentions, but sometimes we can't erase what we've been taught our whole lives. So it's like a rewriting of like how you think. And for a lot of us, we grew up in this mindset that fitness is to burn calories, is to Mm -hmm. look a certain way. And that's why you work out. And, and it's hard to rewrite that narrative. You have to really do the work. And so I don't really put any blame on trainers who still think that way because it's, 
it's almost harder to think the other way. I do really appreciate though that I feel like the narrative is finally starting to shift in our, like in our generation of what, and it's so cool to see like of how you can exercise because you enjoy it and because it's good for you Mm -hmm. instead of to change something about you as like a punishment. Um, but yeah, we're, I'm like super adamant with all, I just started hiring coaches about six months ago and with all of my coaches, like the, the first part of training is this is the mission of soul. And these are things, these are words. These are things you absolutely cannot say that includes like complimenting a woman based off the way that they look saying things like, girl, you look skinny Mm -hmm. today or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You can never say anything about burning calories in a class. You can never Mm -hmm. say anything like sweating for the wedding or, uh, you're doing this to burn off that turkey for Thanksgiving. Like all of those things are just like set up. Like that's not what we do here (laughs) because, because those things are ingrained in us. I mean, sometimes you, we even still think that way. So to like be reminded, like we don't say that here. Um, it just makes it, it just separates it a little bit and it, it is really cool to see. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, you think about the amount of messages that we are receiving on a daily basis that we've received for years and years and years that do, you know, harmlessly, I'll say in quotes, they seem harmless. Like, it's like, oh, I'm working towards so that I can go have brunch later, or I'm trying to like get back into my mom jeans, whatever it is. It's like, there are these seemingly like harmless things that are meant to motivate. But when you really like take those statements and really look at them, what you're saying is that like, this is the purpose for fitness. And if I can't Mm -hmm. burn off my brunch, if I can't get back into these jeans, if I can't lose that weight, then like, what's the point of it? And all of a sudden we've taken something like moving your body, which is a great thing for stress and for sleep and for feeling good and building strength and all this stuff that can be celebrated for so many things. And basically said its purpose is this very narrow, narrow thing. And I feel like it's our job as fitness instructors and trainers to you know, maybe just be that one voice that's just different than the rest and says like, Mm -hmm. Hey, it's doesn't matter how many calories you burn today. Like you showed up and like, you still felt good and showed up when you didn't want to, or didn't feel motivated or whatever. And it's like allowing, I think women and people in general to have a voice that challenges all the other voices that they've been hearing, who knows like the seeds that that's planting for the long term, And I think that that is a really incredible thing that you encourage with each of your coaches and with your studio. I absolutely love that. Totally. And if you can at least hear truth, even if it's just for an hour a day by someone in the fitness industry, if you can hear like what is actually true about moving your body and what the benefits are and you can experience that type of community, then when those lies do come, because they'll keep coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the people outside of that space will still try and say like, you know, you're, you're eating this brunch, yeah. but you're going to work out later. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, if you have that ammo though, mm-hmm. of like, actually this is true. Um, this is actually why I work out. Then you can at least like put up a barrier between you and the lies and be like, okay, I'm, that's not my identity. That's not, that doesn't define me. It might, it might be a definition of the fitness industry, but that's not my definition of fitness. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so interesting, which we can get into more, you know, a little bit as well as like 
it's sad to me that a lot of people like myself or like you kind of come to this conclusion eventually. Like there has to be greater purpose to working out. There has to be a greater purpose to like my body and my appearance that has nothing to do with my worth, that has nothing to do with my value. But oftentimes we reach that conclusion when you've been like in a really low place or when you've gotten to a really dark place and you basically feel like trapped, you feel consumed by this idea that your identity is wrapped up in the scale or is wrapped up in a size or is wrapped up in an appearance of looking healthy. And I, you know, hope that through studios like yourself and trainers and all these types of conversations that we're having, that people don't have to reach that place to hear that maybe there's a different way to think about myself. Maybe there's a different way to think about this fitness thing before I go and give myself an eating disorder or a really bad relationship with fitness or my body, you know? And I think that that's something that I feel really strongly about is like not everyone has to get to like the lowest point and that's different for each person, but it's hard if majority of the messages affirm that path versus Mm -hmm. an alternative. Yeah, that's a cool way of looking at it. It's like you are there to prevent people from getting to rock bottom yeah. before they realize it. Yeah, you hope. <laughs> yeah, you hope you hope you can be like that shield for them before they get to um, rock bottom. So yeah, that's a really cool way of looking at it. I yeah. love that. Well, I know that like I watched you have like a little documentary, which I definitely recommend everyone watch. It's a great way to learn more about you and kind of your heart and your mission. But one of the things that you are really open about, and I think ties into a lot of like your purpose behind starting soul is your eating disorder and recovering from that. So what do you feel like, you know, where was that point where I know this is probably, um, there's not like an exact moment, but you know, it's like looking back, it's like, when do you really feel like you shifted and like, it went from, oh, I'm kind of trying to be like healthy and make good decisions to something that was controlling you. And how has that journey looked as you were sort of coming out of it and hitting a point where you're like, I just genuinely can't do this anymore. Because I know you said it wasn't a, you know, a long period of time, I think you had maybe mentioned like three years roughly. Um, but that is a long time to be in that. So how, where do you feel like that shift happened into it and then back out of it? Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of the times that or a lot of times that people fall into an eating disorder, it usually starts from a place of, I just want to be healthier. And it doesn't start, it doesn't start with the intention of, I want to starve myself or I want to like hurt my body. And with mine, it was the same thing. I had graduated college. I did an internship, um, where I was traveling for like six months straight Mm -hmm. and you know, you eat, you eat food on the road. It's not necessarily the healthiest of food. And, um, I was like not much of an exerciser then. (laughs) So I, I gained weight. And when I got done with the internship, I was like, you know, I want to like lose that weight. And I had gone on a diet, like one, probably one of the first diets I had ever actually gone on and mm. um, consistently stuck with. And I started seeing results and getting back to that original weight that I wanted to get back to. And then for me, I'm like, a, I'm very much, um, I'm, I'm very much like a all or nothing kind of person. And that also includes achievement, like a lot of my worth I've put on what I can do. And so for me, I was like, well, maybe I could go a little step further. And if I, 
see if I can just lose like five more pounds. And then it eventually mm-hmm. became a tracking problem. Like I became, mm-hmm. became so obsessed with the control factor of I can track every single calorie that I eat and mm-hmm. calculate it to where I know I'm eating less than I should and also know mm-hmm. I'm eating less and exercising more so it cancels out. It's like math, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it yeah. kind of became this this thing that I could control in a season where after I after I left that internship, I got like a big girl job and I was working um, in the corporate world and I was working tons of hours. I was so stressed. I didn't really have like a strong community I had moved back to Dallas from my college town and um, yeah, I was, I had no accountability. I was really anxious for most of the day at work that this was something I could control and like do quote unquote for myself. And that's how it started. It started in this, in a very just like pure, I want to lose a couple pounds. I want to get back to Mm -hmm. what I was. And then it Mm -hmm. ended or it got so far deep without you even realizing I, I call it like the spiral system. Like before you even realize it, you've spiraled into this very dark space yeah. and you forgot that you were even like not in the light. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how it started. And then it was about three years of living in denial mm-hmm. that I was doing anything wrong. I'm My faith is really important to me and I was still like super involved with my church and – I wor- I ended up leaving the corporate world and working for a ministry and I had people in that ministry like asking me, are you okay? And mm-hmm. I was like in denial, like mm-hmm. I'm good. Like if anything, are you good? Like I'm the one taking <laughs> care of myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, but those are the things, those are like the shields you put up to keep living in a lie. Um, so that, so that you can keep doing it because yeah. you, it's almost like the torture is like, it becomes appealing and it's like the more you hide, the more you can get away with. So mm-hmm. yeah, it ended up being like three years of just living in complete denial. I think there was always this voice in my head somewhere deep, deep down that was knew this is wrong and was telling me you yeah. are not healthy, but I had covered it up with so many distractions that, I was not even going to hear it. (laughs) So, um, that lasted for like, that lasted for like three years. And honestly, it took like a, it got to a breaking point in two places. One in my faith, I was just feeling Mm -hmm. so, um, I was feeling so depleted in my soul and like, I wasn't Mm -hmm. even talking to God anymore. I wasn't, I was like going through the motions, but didn't have like any sort of personal relationship and, Um, so that was one, that was one part of it. And then twofold, the other part was at work, this ministry that I worked for, they called me into, I talk about this a little bit in the documentary, but they called me into a conference Mm -hmm. room and with like the CEO and the head of HR. And I was like, I am getting promoted. (laughs) Like, I was like, this is my time. And Um, They sat me down and they were like, hey, we're actually meeting with you because the entire like staff who knows you is extremely worried about you and you do not look well. Like you don't look well, you're you feel like we can feel the depletion, not only like in the in your physical body, but just in your effort and your mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And when when that was addressed, along with 
me coming to a breaking point with my faith, I, w- I finally reached out and asked a counselor if I could meet with them. Okay. And I did that before I told my friends though. I was like, I need to talk to someone who's like not biased. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I went to counseling and then I eventually told, you know, family and friends, like this is something I've been struggling with. Can you hold me accountable mm-hmm. um, to heal? So, and, and then the healing, I, I say I'm still healing. Yeah. I honestly, I, I say I'll always be healing yeah. because those negative thoughts, they always creep back in your mind. Yeah. So, you know, I started my healing journey in 2014 and it's 2021 mm-hmm. now. And it took, I mean, now I'm at a space where I can like eat intuitively. I don't count calories. I exercise because I enjoy it and I can mentally remind myself of those truths. Like I talked about in the beginning when I'm ever feeling those lies, yeah. but every day you get attacked with something Absolutely. that says you're not enough. So you const I feel like it's a constant journey of healing. Oh, I think so. I would completely agree. I think that like to say that you're fully recovered from anything, especially in this world where I think there's a lot of dollars and intention behind making us not feel good enough because that's what makes more money is that like mm-hmm. there's always a new thing that you're trying to protect yourself against from a little bit. Or even if that voice is quieter, it's still there. It's just, yeah. you have to learn how to tune it out or challenge it back. And I think absolutely to pretend like you'll struggle for a little while, you'll come through it and it's just going to be easy for forever is just unfortunately not the reality. I think you always kind of have to stay vigilant and protecting yourself and making decisions that are rooted in truth and in worthiness and in valuing yourself and loving mm-hmm. yourself, not based on a number, not based on the accomplishments of a certain size or of accomplishment of anything, but kind of reminding yourself that like, I am good enough right now. And it's like, even those simple little thoughts that can challenge the lies can become much more powerful over time if you'll give it time and practice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a daily practice and that, that account accountability factor is huge too. If you try and fight anything on your own, chances are you'll slip back into what was easy because Mm -hmm. for me, it was easier to live in hiding Mm. to an extent. The healing part is hard. hard. And so if you don't have someone being like, how you doing today, who knows what you need Mm. and how you need to heal, then you can easily slip back Mm. into the the lying and the hiding and the denial because that's something you know and you're almost comfortable with. Like you're almost like, okay, I was like pretty good at that, you know? (laughs) So It's so crazy to think about too because I think it's this interesting balance, right? It's like we we want to accomplish these things and we want to feel better about ourselves and we're trying to figure out how to do that. And basically we've been told, well, if you just lose weight, you'll feel better. And so we're, we're mm-hmm. trying to like paste that on this problem. And I think the reason why the healing part is so hard is because it kind of takes away that bandaid and says like, you've been trying to fix certain things by something that's never going to truly fix it and is actually creating a separate problem. So now you have to get uncomfortable and fix the root problem. So much of this that we as a culture don't want to acknowledge are like deep root problems within ourselves of, you know, feeling abandoned, feeling a lack of love, feeling a lack of being good enough, like all of these things. And we're trying to cover them up and fix them by 
whatever we can find. And for many of us, Mm -hmm. both of you and I, at least like it came through how we can lose weight, how our bodies can look and all of that. And I think that it is so hard because when I tell people like, this is a really, it's hard work to come through it. Like it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just are not ready for it. They're like, "Ah, I don't want to do those questions. I don't want to ask myself why it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I'm like, yep, it will. It's supposed to. But if you can pull yourself through it, the other side of it is so much more freeing and so much more peaceful. I think it's just that in between that feels so uncomfortable. And I think it unfortunately Mm -hmm. turns a lot of people off who are so comfortable in the control aspect that they found safety in. That is so seriously so crazy that you brought up digging up the root because I am not joking y'all. I literally like 40 minutes ago just posted on Instagram like what is the root and how can you dig it up really? for like believing those lies. I swear. It, I that like I had chills. I swear. I had chills when you said that. No, I know you didn't. That's the cool thing. It's like it, I posted it right before I logged on. So I was like, that is a word that people need to hear, you know, like, yeah, you got, there's a deeper reason to why you're feeling or why you're believing these lies about yourself. And you got to dig up that root root, or else your foundation is going to be based on like weeds and and lies and Mm -hmm. roots. And if you pull it out, Mm -hmm. then your foundation can be clean and firm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I think a lot of people too, with, with, um, with the healing part, especially Mm -hmm. with eating disorders, I can't really speak much into other addictions, but with, um, with disordered eating, I think the healing part is scary because there's a physical aspect to it. There is like, you are Mm -hmm. going to see that you will probably gain weight. And for so many Mm -hmm. years, for so long, your life's mission was to not gain weight. In fact, it was to lose weight. And so sometimes your body, especially when it's in starvation mode, like a part of healing, a part of that process is putting weight back on because your body needs to get back to a healthy spot that's good for it. Um, And you need Mm -hmm. to provide it with the nourishment and nutrition that it needs. And so that's Mm -hmm. like the scary in-between part too is when you're like, oh crap, I actually am going to see, I'm going to be presented with this in the mirror every day and be, feel that temptation to compare myself with myself, my past self, you know, sometimes, you know, there's always like, and this is so true. Like there's people you follow on social media that might not be healthy for you to follow them because you compare yourself to them. Um, which is why that mute button is God's gift to us. Um, but (laughs) Also, seriously, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Um, but also I struggle with comparing myself to my past self because, you know, you're like, I was once this size or I was once this, I weighed this much or how did I do that? And then you have to also click click back into the truth of like, I did that in the most unhealthy way. I had no social yeah. life. I let go of friendships. I was like, I, ab- I isolated myself. I abandoned myself from mm-hmm. like enjoyment. And so you have to yeah. like, it's like when you go through a breakup <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, I miss him so much. And you only remember the good things and you forgot why you broke up in the first place. It's just like that with healing. You have to like remember why you broke up. You know, there is a root there. (laughs) Dig it up. (laughs) No, I think that that's so powerful because I do feel like, you know, I think 
if you struggle with comparison, it can come at you in a lot of different ways. And I feel like for me, you know, I never got to the place where I, I will compare myself to my past self, but oftentimes I never felt like my past self ever got to where I was ultimately trying to go. And that is so Mm. sad to me to look at now is I'm like, I tried very hard and was very miserable and still never could get where I thought was my ideal, my ideal weight, my ideal body. And so it's interesting if you can like look back on your past self and be like, and even at that smallest weight, was I happy? Was I any Exactly. And like, if you really confront that and was like, was I happier at that time? No, period. No. Like, and I think mm-hmm. that it might feel nice if someone compliments you or certain things like that, and that can pull you back in. But if you really sat with yourself and I'm like, am I genuinely happier in this way, pursuing these things, finding value here? I think oftentimes for most people, the answer is genuinely no. It just feels really scary to admit that because once you do, then you're like, oh, crap, like now what? Like what am I supposed mm-hmm. to do now? And I think that that is a really scary shift for a lot of people. But I feel like, and this is interesting, and I'd love your perspective on this because now you are pregnant, which is amazing. But I think, and I think that there's a lot, I follow a lot of women who I've never been pregnant and I don't have kids, but I follow people who have gone through that journey. And I think it's really cool to hear them talk about how their relationship with their body changed while they were pregnant. So I would love to know like how this pregnancy has maybe sort of shaped your view of yourself and your worth, but also knowing your history with eating disorder and like having to put on weight because it's the healthiest thing to do for your pregnancy. Like what's been challenged, like what's been challenging about being pregnant and kind of still creating peace with your body as well. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's another twofold answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's both the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced with my body and the hardest thing mm. I've probably experienced with my body. I I feel like I've been um, – so we've been – just a little background on our pregnancy journey. We have been trying to get pregnant since November of 2019. Mm. And we actually experienced during, during the quarantine, we experienced two miscarriages. And mm. so this pregnancy – for me, it's a whole new level. There's like a whole level of like gratitude surrounding it. Not to say that anyone who gets pregnant without miscarrying isn't grateful. It's just like, yeah, I am. It it just feels so much like more tender to me. So I have like always circled back to that whenever I hear, you know, Mm. oh my gosh, your body's changing and you're like, people aren't going to, I hear lies all the time. Like people aren't going to want to train with you because you can't move the same. People Mm -hmm. aren't going to want to train with you because you look different. What are they going to think postpartum Mm -hmm. when like it takes you, Mm -hmm. you don't like quote unquote bounce back like everyone says. And Mm -hmm. there's like, so, Mm -hmm. I mean, even as a pregnant woman, like, you know how you get targeted ads on Instagram, there's like, you'll get ads that will boil your blood of like ready to bounce back, start now. Like the terminology, I'm big on words. Like the terminology is so twisted when it's like, I'm creating a human. Get off me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like I'm doing a lot over here. Um, but so yeah, it's twofold. Like it's, it's very challenging because, 
again, every day I hear like some sort of lie that I have to fight against about, um, just my Mm -hmm. physical body. Um, a lot of that too Mm -hmm. is I, I like place a lot of worth still in like my athleticism. It's almost like I went from, Mm -hmm. I placed worth in my size to now I place worth sometimes in my strength, which that that can, Mm -hmm. there's always like a tipping point of where something healthy becomes unhealthy. And so for me, it's been like an attack on you can't do what you used to because I can't. I can't move the same. I can't run yeah. as fast. I can't lift as much. Um, so that part's been really difficult. But then on the flip side, when you get to like feel those kicks or remember mm-hmm. that there is like a part of you and this person that you love so much, like actually baking inside of you like that is so worth it um I I think it's something that God actually like gave me to help me heal if I like look at it from like a Mm. an outside vantage point like I think that God has given me pregnancy and even my miscarriages which is really hard to say to help me heal from Mm or to help me separate my worth from my body and how my body looks or feels. Um, Because Mm. my worth, at the end of the day, me being pregnant, regardless of how much weight I gain or how much strength I lose, at the end of the day, like my worth in that is that I get to be a loving guide and a mom and I get to step into this new role. And my kid is gonna not gonna give do y'all cuss <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was gonna say a cuss right I was like my kid is not gonna give two shits on what I weigh you know they're not gonna care so um it's it's actually like really even though it's been an attacking process it's been a really healing process mm-hmm. too like it's another level mm-hmm. that God has brought me to where I have to fight this lie and then conquer it um, like I got through mm. that part. Now it's like I'm in this part. And it, and with pregnancy, you really like you lose control. <laughs> so like even what you eat, even what you eat, you know, like you can say, I'm just going to eat healthy during my pregnancy. But what baby wants, baby gets. And most of the time during my pregnancy, at least baby wanted French fries and baby wanted sub mm-hmm. sandwiches. So that's what baby got. And that's not necessarily the most like healthy thing. But for me, it was freeing to be like, I'm going to eat this because someone else needs it and wants it. Not because necessarily Mm -hmm. I care about how it's going to affect my body. Yeah. And it is like a really, I think it is a really cool opportunity to like step outside yourself and realize that like my body is like doing something really amazing and it isn't about how it looks and my child will not care. And more what my child will probably hear is like me saying mean things about my body or me judging, them. Mm. you know, they're not going to like think to themselves, like mom looks so great. Look how small she is. It's going to be like, I hear like in my head, I'm absorbing the fact that my mom is constantly stressed around food or constantly stressed about her body or hates how she looks like. And I think it's, it's crazy. Like, and I think it's beautiful that you have gone through so much of this work now and shifting now. And even while that will always be a process, like we've said, the impact that you'll be able to have on your son and any other kids is like really cool because you won't be necessarily carrying that same messaging into them because you've worked through so much of it. And I think there's something yeah. really beautiful about being able to acknowledge like how 
amazing it is to like carry and create life and how like it twisted it is that we so quickly want to like remove any signs of that and any you know and mm. like celebrated for that and I can't imagine getting targeted with all of that kind of stuff I feel like that would just to your point make my blood boil that would be it's so it's hard enough you know for women to watch their bodies change especially if they had like kind of a fraught relationship and then to be told that like the best thing you can do for yourself is to get back to how you were and that's the best thing you can yeah. offer. and I think that there's so much that needs to shift in how, in regards to like kind of how we approach fitness and wellness and movement. And I would love to know, like, what do you feel like we need more of in the fitness and wellness space so that women can feel empowered and find peace with themselves? Like, what do you think we're really missing there? I think the, the biggest thing that's going to shift this narrative is the words that we use and not just you brought up a really good point when I when you were talking about like what you hear your mom say, mm-hmm. what what my son hears me say or my, you know, maybe future daughter hears me say, like I might not think that that's impacting them, but it is. So I think what needs to change amongst fitness, I think it starts at the co- at the coach level, which mm-hmm. is so cool that there's um coaches like you who are aware of this because if you can not talk about yourself in the way that you don't want your clients to talk about themselves. Um, mm-hmm. That's like one small thing that can make a huge difference. So I think what needs to change is yeah. just like the the actual verbiage that we put around exercise, and instead mm-hmm. of um, instead of putting like numerical data behind weight and. BMI and all these bogus things like instead let's put like data on how it removes stress how it promotes like mental health um and clarity Mm -hmm. how it you know um helps you sleep like you said like let's let's put numbers and data behind that stuff and that be the presentation that we give to clients um instead of the other thing and you're still I still have new clients sign up who say, like, I'll ask them what's their goal first thing. And they'll, I would say 85% of the time it is to lose weight. And I just, I just kindly say like losing weight can be a natural result of moving your body. Mm -hmm. But if your body's already at the weight it wants to be, I'm not going to force it to go anywhere different, but we are going to learn how Mm -hmm. to move and enjoy movement. So if that's something you're down yeah. for, you're going to get stronger. I can promise you're going to get stronger. You'll probably get faster. Yeah. But I can't promise that when you step on the scale, it's going to go down. And I, and I don't necessarily, like, need that in order for me to see results in you. So yeah. are you cool with that? And I think, <laughs> and I think if more coaches yeah. approached it like that, cool. That mm-hmm. would be great. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting because it's the same for me. Like I would say almost every single client I have has weight loss goals and to rather than just shoot it down and just say like, nope, not going to happen, whatever, but say like, that's fine. What are other things that we can focus on? What are other things that we can celebrate? And also acknowledge that like you working out with me a couple days a week or whatever is also not the key to all of this weight loss. Like this is, you're putting all of this pressure on our two hours together a week and it's such a bigger picture and there's so much more to it so if you truly need to lose weight and want to lose weight or whatever then like 
to like we've talked about, what are your sleeping habits? What are your stress habits? What is your like, you know, your genetic background? What's your socioeconomic background? What is, do you have, have you had past trauma? Like there's all these things that it's like, it just isn't about eating more salads and working out more. And I think that so often people have been told it's pretty simple. It's really simple. And it's like, it isn't it also really isn't and now you're putting a lot of pressure yeah. on us as fitness professionals to be the key to all of these solutions or to this one major goal for people and it's it's just so much bigger than that and it ends up to like it can really change how people approach fitness because their expectations are just misaligned sometimes yeah and losing weight might be really simple in air quotes mm. but is it sustainable absolutely you know, that's a huge thing too. And I was like fist bumping for all of you listening when she was talking about, you know, is like that two hours with me a week going to get you to that goal? There's like so much pressure put on like one workout to, it's like people expect to come into the gym, do a workout and leave, look in the mirror and like see, see a whole new person and like discipline, discipline's a huge part of it, but also like I don't know, like remove that pressure and instead step into a workout with this idea of like, wow, this is so cool. I get to move my body. I get to take care of myself. That's like a really cool thing that some people aren't, aren't given the opportunity to do, you know? And, and if we, if we came in with that mindset, instead of, I hope when I leave here and I step on the scale, it's a pound less which also just right. like isn't scientifically possible because you're like building no. muscle. So like whatever, but yeah. that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just, I challenge people to think like it might be simple. You hear like be in a calorie deficit and over and exercise X amount of hours a day or week and you lose weight. Yeah. That's simple. And well, kind of, except you can't eat like pizza and stuff, but is it sustainable? Yeah. You know? It, and it's right. usually not. Right. And that's the problem with fad diets is you go on this diet, you lose the weight, and then you start incorporating and introducing things back into your diet that are normal and a part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And you gain mm-hmm. it back and you're like, what is wrong with me? So that's a whole nother podcast. And we so quickly blame <laughs> ourselves versus like the, you know, the diet or the fad or the program, you know, it's so quickly our fault. Oh, because I didn't have the self-control to not eat pizza. And to your point, are you genuinely not going to eat pizza for the rest of your life? Like that sounds miserable. Right. You know, like that's terrible. It's just, it's, I am a big believer in something I've talked about so much is like kind of interchangeably like sustainability or consistency. It's like, what can you consistently do pretty much for forever? Like you're about to commit to this thing. Do you want to do this thing for forever? If you want to like go on this new diet, do you want to do this forever? And I think that so many people right. are like, no, but if I could just do it for this short period of time and it's like anything that you can do. And that's why like, I will celebrate my clients just going on a walk. Like great, because I would love if you would walk as consistently as you can, if that's the thing that feels like the least barrier to entry to movement. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is something that so many people are like, Ugh, doesn't burn enough calories. I don't get sweaty enough. It's like, for whatever. And it's just like walking is still a great way to move your body, a great way to get outside and get fresh air, a great way to like build a healthier heart, all of those things. And I feel like people just kind of poo poo on it because it just isn't this like sexy workout style. And so it's really 
important to figure out like, and to not shame yourself for what you're willing to do consistently, consistently, whether it's walking or dancing or a 15 minute movement or whatever, you know, that is important. Totally. Any cell, any type of movement should be celebrated. And I think it's cool that you do that. I I love doing that with my clients too. Like, Oh, you can't make it today. That's okay. Just like go for a quick walk around your neighborhood. Yeah. Like, there you go. There you go. You moved. Good job. I know. You, good job. <laughs> so what are some things that you do besides kind of, you know, maybe working out? Because we've talked about how, like, great that is for ourselves. But, like, what are a few things you do to take care of yourself both physically and mentally? And how have you kind of allowed yourself to stay on track from your recovery journey as well? Um. Yeah. So fitness for me is a big stress reliever. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that has become – it started as something really unhealthy for me, but it shifted into something that is um, very beneficial and helpful for my mental health. Another thing for me, like I talked about earlier, is my faith. So mm-hmm. um, like staying rooted in a community of people who believe the same things that I believe, um, whether that's a church – whatever that is for you. For me, it's mm-hmm. church and my community groups and my husband and I um, also – he helps keep me accountable – and then third, on top of that, is is outside of church and outside of the gym, like having accountability in a really authentic way. Um, so, like having that one friend that you can text and be and actually say the words that you're thinking, like, and maybe those words are, mm-hmm. "I hate how I look right now," and mm-hmm. and that that's like a thought that you can release out, and someone can help you smush. So. Um, Mm. accountability, my faith and movement are things that like definitely help me stay healthy. And then like tangible ways for me, I Mm -hmm. don't own a scale. Um, Mm. so I don't, I don't have a scale in my house and I never will again. And then also deleting any tracking apps. Um, I I don't Mm. count calories and I don't, um, and, and for some people in different seasons, that is something that maybe is prescribed and helpful for you. Mm-hmm. And I am not anti any of this. It's just, yeah. if this is, if you, if your sh- biggest struggle is thinking about how many calories you're consuming, do not count the calories because it yeah. takes away from the joy of enjoying the food. So um, I don't, do, those are ta- two tangible things that really help me every day is I don't weigh myself and I don't count calories. So, yeah, I think I do have an Apple watch though. (laughs) Yes. And I do too. And I think that's, it's funny you said that because I think that like, you know, when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to the scale, when it comes to counting calories or your Apple watch, like none of these things have like moral value. None of them are inherently bad, but for some of us, we use it as a tool to create shame in our life, to create addiction in our life, to create, you know, sort of this like box and this trap for ourselves. So where someone can hop on the scale and have no sort of emotional attachment to what they're seeing, that isn't my current experience. And so to your point, it's like, yeah, like I know people who count calories and it's just a kind of a neutral thing in their life. And that's great. That's not currently my experience. So I feel like it's Mm -hmm. important, like you were saying, to acknowledge for yourself where that like root is coming from and like where that is like why sometimes I'll just stop wearing my apple watch for a while because I'll become really fixated on closing all my rings you know and you're just like Mm -hmm. rest days are good and not closing all your rings every day is just fine so it's 
it's being in tune enough with yourself, which it sounds like you have a really good practice to be able to do that. And then that way, if you're starting to sense sort of this disalignment, you can shift and do something different or make another adjustment. And I think that's really important. And it goes back some to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about social media. And I feel like that can play a really big part in how women view their bodies and their health. So as someone who is in marketing, whose job is like, like mine, do you have to show up on social media in lots of ways? Like what are tips that you have for people to sort of protect themselves or things that you do to really make sure that that space is something that can be more life-giving than kind of draining? Yeah, social media is I feel like it is life for a lot of people. So scrolling can be something that we mindlessly do without realizing how it's actually attacking our minds. And then it might pop up in other ways later, in other insecurities later. So I would say like taking a – I don't know the word, but taking like an account of everything that you – or everyone that you follow – and, and I don't mean that in like a very like meh, meticulous way. I just yeah. mean if you struggle if you struggle with comparing yourself to um, a size zero and you're following only size zero fitness instructors mm-hmm. or fit or influencers, then maybe like the first step is just to unfollow them or mute them. It goes it goes beyond just body image too. Like it can go towards if you're single and you want so desperately to find someone and it looks like everyone in your life is finding someone like maybe mute the people that trigger Mm -hmm. those insecurities for you because being single isn't bad, you know? So, and, or if you're trying to have a baby and it's really hard then maybe don't follow someone who's like just got a baby and or or mute them or protect you can protect your heart you can't control what other people post but you can control what you see on social media and so say, with body image if you are triggered by certain things recognize the trigger as you scroll and instead of mm-hmm. keeping the scroll going and double tapping or or meditating on like how do i get there and fixating on that instead uh, mute, mute them, unfollow them. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot easier said than done, but that's like a huge, just like really tangible way of trying to protect your mind a little bit. And also maybe like limiting your scrolling, maybe doing mm-hmm. like setting a timer when you, <laughs> when you get on social media or um, yeah. a lot of people do like social media free Sundays or whatever works for you. Just mm-hmm. like give your brain a little like rest period <laughs> from from that because the comparison will always creep in there for sure and I do think like you said and it's something that I agree with wholeheartedly it's like we have the power and the control to um control what we see and what we show ourselves and what we're inputting and if like you're gonna follow a whole bunch of people who create a message that you're not good enough that this is the only way to be successful then like that's all you're going to believe because that's all you're seeing. And one thing that I've really done is not only kind of unfollowing people, but is then filling my feed with a different variety of people and something to show myself that there is life outside of my like very narrow bubble that I've lived in for so long. And it's just like reminding yourself that you are, you can control this. This is something that you have every ability to shift the power that it 
takes from you or gives you. And so I think that I like the idea of just like muting people or unfollowing and just being real with yourself. All of that we've talked about today, like takes kind of a layer of being able to be real with yourself because only Mm -hmm. then will any of this really shift and really be able to make change in your life. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a level of um, vulnerability Mm -hmm. with yourself, which is usually the hardest thing. I actually had a conversation with my soul girls um, a couple weeks ago where I was saying like, you know, we scroll on social media and we see all these like unattainable dreams of like what people should look like and then like do we ever see that in our daily lives like when you go to the grocery store or do you see that or do you see people of all shapes and sizes of all ethnicities of all socioeconomic spaces and but on social media we pick who we follow we have the opportunity to change that and to pick up different different sizes different races different different people to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like a really cool inventory on your heart too, to be like, what am I choosing to consume and how can I change that? Yeah. Well, it was like, even to that point, like you're saying that going to the grocery store just a couple weekends ago, I went to, had a little girl's trip with some friends. And it's funny when I was at the hotel pool, I remember just like looking around and looking at all of the bodies and looking how at all of the women and, and just being like, we all look so different from each other. And truly, everyone looked great. Everyone looked fabulous. But it wasn't like I wasn't surrounded by a whole bunch of like, model stick figure, whatever people just wandering around making me feel whatever. It was like, oh, we all just look like normal people. And yet we're all probably comparing ourselves to very similar people who knows. But when you step out into like the real world outside of your Instagram, and you just like look around a bit, you're like, oh, there's a lot of people who are very similar to me or who look very different, but seem very happy. And like, they're like celebrating all of that difference and all of that uniqueness. And I remember kind of noticing that at the pool and just being like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like it's, it's helpful just to see the variety of bodies and the variety of people out there. And it's not them being miserable. Everyone is like happy and chilling and enjoying their lives. And it's not because they were a size two or whatever. Yes. And no one in your life who loves you genuinely is going to leave you if you gain weight. They probably love you because you're generous, you're kind, you're funny, you're there for them. They don't like their prerequisite for loving you is not based on the size of your body. No. No. And not, and that's not what you put on other people to be your friend either. That's right. not something that you like require not. of someone. So, yeah. and if it is, then you need to definitely do a heart check. Yeah. <laughs> we got Absolutely. some, there's some. Oh. So as, uh, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, I would love if you could share, you know, as the coach, as a trainer, as a fitness instructor, what are some like really simple tips that you have found that have helped your clients become more successful with getting started on their journey and sticking with it. If maybe their goal is to be more active or is maybe even just to be kinder to themselves. Do you have any kind of tips for people? Yeah. A tip for finding like a routine or discipline that I found. And I joked about it earlier having a whiteboard, but is writing like scheduling out a time for yourself Mm -hmm. and writing it in your schedule, Mm -hmm. Um, almost treating it as if it's, 
a meeting with someone else that you wouldn't cancel, yeah. right? So just because just because I have in my schedule that at you know, I'm making something up at 9:30 this morning I'm going for a 45 minute walk. Mm-hmm. If someone texts me or emails me and says, "Hey, do you have time to meet at 9:30?" I'm going to say no because that mm-hmm. is in my schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. so something very tangible that you can do is writing it down in your schedule and treating it as if it's a meeting. Um, and then also as far as, um, like who you exercise with. So I, I talk a lot about accountability, but finding a coach who aligns with what you're, with what you believe or how you want to believe. And also Mm -hmm. if not a coach, if you go to group classes, like finding a friend, or someone in your community to go with, like that just level of accountability, it, it, it gets you the motivation to actually show up. And then you'll find the endorphins and the fun and the adrenaline once you finish the workout, but it's getting there. That sometimes is the hardest, hardest part. So definitely having like it written down in your schedule, I will not cancel on myself. And also like someone to let in on the journey with you to kind of hold you accountable. I love that. I feel like that's like really, I think I'm a big believer in accountability. I joke that that's like why I have a job is because people need the accountability to show up. And I'm the same. That's why I try and get recruit friends to go work out with me or I sign up for a class and I have like paid the money. So I don't want to like not go to the class. Anything that you can do to create that sort of like accountability and sense of ownership, I think is really, really important. Um, I love that. I feel like there has just been so much insight and just beautiful things that you've shared. And I so appreciate it. And I would love if other people can get connected to you. So I know you have a podcast. I know you, like you said, you teach classes and online and in person. So where are you? How can people hear more from you, follow you, work with you, all that good, good stuff, which I will also include like in the show notes for people. Yeah. So the best way to find me and find what I'm doing is through Instagram. So if you follow me at K-C-O-L-L-K-Call, Collins is my middle name. Um, I never, like I changed my, actually I legally haven't changed my name, but I go by Catherine Banco, but I just never changed my Instagram handle. So there's that, um, at K-Call and then at the links, at the link in my bio, there's like a bunch of links to the soul fitness schedule, to my online app, to, um, my marketing. If you need help with that, to my podcast. So you can find everything from there or just by going to at soul fitness on Instagram, S O L E underscore fitness. The links are there as well. So follow one of those and you'll find the rest. That's so great. Well, I so appreciate the time that you've taken today to like share your story and your encouragement with everyone. And I'm so excited to hear what everyone thinks and to share it. I I'm really thankful. I talk so much. So I'm sorry if this is like the longest podcast you've ever put out, but thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Yes. No, I totally agree. And it was all goodness. So it's worth it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Cammie. I had a blast. Thanks, Catherine. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast interview, and if you are enjoying the podcast and loving these interviews, please go ahead and rate and review the Worth More podcast wherever you listen. I am always happy to hear y'all's thoughts, suggestions, feedback, so make sure you reach out to me on social media or through my website. I would love to hear you, and I hope you have an amazing day.